Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. We're in our skill building series, looking at how we can build our kiddos' emotion regulation. And this week, I'm focusing on managing our own stress. Now, last week, I really highlighted the need to take a systems approach to help our kiddos develop those emotion regulation skills. And I left off talking about, um, well, I mean, obviously they have the skills as well. So we're going to be doing that. But I left off talking about managing our own stress. So this week, I'm going to dig into that piece a little bit, our own stress as whether we're educators or parents or even mental health professionals, we need to be able to do that because a lot of the work that we do, we need to be able to good, be good co-regulators. And especially with adults, a lot of parents are feeling a lot of stress. And if we look at the research, even from COVID, yes, everyone was feeling more stress through COVID and after COVID, but parents particularly were feeling so much more stress than anybody else. So there's definitely you know, things to consider. Now, if you are suffering, if you've got bigger issues that need to be addressed, like trauma or significant depression, you absolutely need to go seek professional help because those things are going to interfere with their ability, our ability as parents to be effective co-regulators. So if you're working with a client too, with parents, we need to often times address the parent's emotional needs first before we can start working with the kiddo. So I think that that's really important. So when we're looking at stress, first we need to figure out what's the source of the stress. Because if there's things that we could be doing that we have control, we're gonna take the steps necessary if we can't control them, right? And there's usually four kinds of stress that we look for. And so these are, I mean, obviously there's lots, but these are the types of things we can start looking at just generally speaking on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that that's important. Um, so when we look at these four things of stress as a place to start, because then we can start exposing stress for what it is. And then when we can name it, we can tame it, right? And we can manage it a little bit easier. Now, there's four common types, like I had mentioned. So think of each of these um, and, and see maybe all of them affect you or the parents that you work with, but see which one is most impairing, what, which one fits most for you now. And then we can dig into each one. So the first is time stress, right? Stress that you don't have enough time or maybe you're wasting time on things that are not as important as other things, or you're stressed that you're not doing things fast enough or early enough, um, early enough in your life as you had hoped. Um, any rushing out the door in the morning, worrying about making an appointment or a meeting on time, finishing tasks on time, you're running late, you know, on deadlines, you're always procrastinating. So we can see long-term and short-term right? The, the procrastination, the immediate things, but even just long-term. I remember, you know, me, I was so depressed at one point in my life because I thought for sure, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to be a partner in a successful law firm, have my family already all created. Like by then I still had no idea what I was doing with my life, still hadn't had kids or even thinking about kids. Right. And so I was beating myself up because I thought all of these things were going to happen in my life. So you can see those are sort of the long sort of term things as well. Um, but oftentimes we just start feeling overwhelmed, right? We've got a huge to-do list anything like that, that's time stress. Then we've got anticipatory stress. So this is where we're worrying about the future. So it could be something coming up that you have on the go right now, but it could just be impending sense of doom, right? Or something could go wrong or just looking out for the worst thing in your life. I, I love spicy foods. And I remember when I was pregnant with my first kiddo, I was so worried that I was going to burn a hole in her stomach because of all the hot sauce that I was eating. My doctor just laughed at me 
Um, but it was like, aren't you having heartburn? Like, that's what I'd be, be more worried about. But we all get caught in that trap of the what ifs, right? And especially parents worrying about how they might be messing up their kids, for example, or worrying about their future financially or otherwise. Now we get into something that's 100% universal for everyone, situational stress. This is our third kind of stress. So this is when there are circumstances that we have zero control over. So it could be an emergency, it could be a death, it, it, it could be getting fired from a job or letting go, making a mistake in front of colleagues, situational stress. There's sort of just, it's, it's done when the situation's over. And then of course, the fourth is encounter stress. That usually involves people. So this is where you start worrying about how you're gonna interact with others. It could be socially, but it could also be how you're gonna interact with coworkers. I mean, on a more casual setting, maybe at a company party, or maybe it's hanging out with your partner's friends. Maybe you don't really like them or you don't have anything in common with. So it's interacting with other people, but it could also be more work-related. So the social side, but more work-related. So maybe if you have to manage grumpy clients, um, there's lots of doctors. We're finding doctors, mental health professionals, social workers, they deal with a lot more encounter stress than the general public because they are often dealing with people who are feeling these big, huge emotions and they aren't really doing well. So if you are a mental health professional or a teacher, um, we got to think about these encounter stresses too, but parents often feel a lot of encounter stress, especially when they're feeling overwhelmed and they're drained from their kiddos. But even, you know, going to Costco, it, that can result in huge encounter stress because we can get this contact overload where we get overwhelmed when we're in contact with too many people. Or if you have a really busy day and you've had to interact with too many people and you're just exhausted at the end of the day. So those are some of that contact and counter stress. So if you think of which type of stress that you mostly are experiencing or working with a family, what those parents are, you can start exploring some of those, which one is affecting us most. Again, we might have a little bit of all, but being able to focus on one at a time is gonna be really important. We all likely experience some stress, some of the time in each of these, right? But like I said, we really just wanna make this manageable so that we can be successful. So focusing one at a time. But I'll go through what we can do actively for each different type of stressor, just so we can start thinking about how can we create a plan? Because if we're not managing our own stress, we're never gonna be able to do the work that we need to do to help manage kiddo stressors and to help co-regulate and help them build their emotional intelligence and their emotional literacy and be master co-regulators, emotion regulators themselves. Because when we can't do anything, then there's gonna be different strategies than if we can do something. And if we can do something, why not manage those stressors, right? If we can't do anything that's out of our control, we're gonna focus on acceptance. And I've talked a lot about acceptance previously. Um, in, you know, just about being able to, okay, so this is the situation. We don't want to get caught in the rumination and those traps of trying to change things when we don't have any control. But when we do have some control, or if we can build some skills, it's critical that we look at that. And that's really the focus today. So first, we want to figure out what are the lagging skills? Are there things that we actually need to work on? If we're always you know, anxious socially, do we have some social skills that we could be working on? Um, if we're getting stressed out with time, first, what are the skills that we need? 
maybe we need to use, build some time management skills, some prior, being able to prioritize things, maybe some organizational skills. I'm not going to go too much into a focus on what those skills are per se. That's a whole other month of episodes just on skill building. And maybe I'll address those if that's people, things that people will find interesting. So just let me know if you do want me to go actually into those skill building. But first it's knowing what are those skills that we need and creating a plan so we can learn to prioritize, categorize, delegate, and then we're going to create intention every day around our priorities. So part of that is identifying our time robbers. So I'm just going to get into a little bit of time management, for example. So just like with anxiety, we want to externalize it and call it the henchman for what it is, like the Loki brain, the Loki anxiety or gremlin anxiety. But we also want to identify our time robbers. It's just so easy to beat ourselves up right? Oh, I shouldn't have been on social media. I should have been doing this. I should have been doing that. So if we can externalize them, then you can create a plan and, and kind of separate yourself from all of, of that guilt and beating ourselves up. So we can look at what are the henchmen that get in the way? What are the time robbers? Checking our texts, checking our emails, scrolling social media, having lots of meetings. It's so easy to get stuck in all of these things. It's not only stealing our time, but it's making us feel overwhelmed, stressed for time, exhausted, unproductive. So we want to look for all of those time stressors that are contributing to that. So once we develop some skills, maybe we're looking at how we can create more time in our day right? Maybe we're packing our lunches, all the little things that we already know, packing our lunches the day before, waking up a little bit earlier. So the mornings aren't such a rush. Letting go of the fact that your kids must make their beds and wash their face and brush their hair in the morning. Are there things that we can let go so we can just create some more time and create some more space? For me, I create a plan every single night about the key tasks that I need to focus on tomorrow. That way I know I'm not wasting time trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I actually have a calendar right next to me with, with little stickies and, you know, this is what I need to do. And I've got them ordered for every day. So when I sit down, okay, today is whatever day. These are my tasks that I'm going to do. So every night, and then because it's on a sticky, if I don't get it done, I move it on to the next day. So I don't need to go through my to-do list or anything. I've just got it there. I set it down, put the sticky right down on top of my computer so I can look at it. And I know what I'm figuring out, knowing exactly what it is that I need to do. And I do the same thing with my kids. What are the key things that we need to focus on to get out the door on time? And I'll ask them, how can we get out the door on time? Still loving each other, not yelling, right? Not feeling rushed, maybe even having some time to play a quick card game or something. So making a plan with kiddos is really helpful. And, and every night checking in, okay, what can we do tonight so we can have a great morning in the morning? And then in the morning, what can we do in the morning to have a great morning to get out the door? Because that's going to be really important. Um, managing our work stress too. How can you make more time at work? Not attending useless meetings. We know research shows that meetings are really not productive, not uber helpful. For me, closing my door at the office makes a huge difference because if I leave even a crack open, people are always cutting in on my very limited time that I have, usually writing reports, right? I don't check emails until the very end of the day. It's unfortunate because some people are like, I need emergency, please call me right away, you know? And then they're like, have you read my email? I'm like, I don't check my email until the end of the day, but people start to learn that, right? Um, but doing things like close my door, then people know I'm actually trying to focus on my writing my report, right? So I'm protecting my peak efficiency times so that I can focus on the work that I need to do and, and not wasting it on things like checking emails, right? Or things that are not as productive for my time. 
Sometimes we need to learn assertiveness skills, mastering the ability to say no. I'm still working on that one. That's definitely my key skill that I'm working on. So we can look at what's contributing to the stress as well, right? So we can look at what are the skills that I need, prioritizing, time management, organization, but it's looking at what's contributing to that stress. And, and we're talking about time stress and doing what's in our control. Um, when we look at managing anticipatory stress, we need to consider a few things. So one's confidence for sure is definitely important. If we're not feeling like we're not going to do a good job or we can't handle a situation, that can cause us a lot of worries about all the what ifs, all the uncertainties, right? That we are gonna fail, we're gonna make a mistake. So are there things that we can do to build our skills to prepare ourselves for the event or the task that we need to do? Are there things that we need to clarify? right? Or are there things that we can capitalize our own strengths and resources to manage whatever that challenge is? So those are all the what ifs. What are some skills or clarifications or whatever it is that we need to help support that? But we can also rewire our brain. We can use visualization strategies. We're imagining different alternatives to ones that we're dreading. So we can actually change our wiring in our brain just through repetitive visualization, the same way as if we experience something for real. Obviously, it takes um, a lot of repeated practice and actually doing the thing is better practice than, you know, you can't just visualize yourself playing a violin, for example. But if we can build that confidence through that visualization, right? And it's kind of like a dress rehearsal. That's essentially what we're doing. So practicing mindfulness coupled with those dress rehearsals can be really helpful just to stay grounded so we're not ruminating and spiraling off with all of those worries. But practicing mindfulness just in and of itself, that's also helpful so that we can be aware of when our brain's sucking us into that vortex of illusion right? That mindfulness can bring us back to the now. So rather than getting sucked into the imagined future, right? Even just a few minutes a day can make all the difference in the world just to help us raise our awareness and ground us down. So maybe that mindfulness piece is a skill just so that we can come back and come back and come back and come back, even if we're feeling like we're spiraling out of control. Um, and the acceptance piece is huge here as well, because a lot of those what ifs we have zero control over right? It's doing what we can do within our control. I was actually just working with a teenager recently who's worried about what she looks like going to school. And so she's always asking for all this reassurance from people to make sure that she looks good. What she has in her control is to choose her clothes and how she's going to do her hair and makeup, but she has zero control over what people are going to think of her right? And even though that's what she's trying to control, but she doesn't have control over it. So that's where the acceptance piece comes in, right? We really have to be able to work on that. Again, I've talked about it in previous episodes where we're integrating mindfulness and the acceptance piece. And that's going to be really important here. If we cannot have direct control, like how we're going to be evaluated, what other people are going to think of us, that those pieces, we just have to be able to tolerate the distress of not knowing and, and learn to accept. When we're looking at situational stress, we want to become aware of our automatic habitual responses to stress. This is true actually for all of our stress, but certainly it's situational. So it doesn't become, you know, an anxiety disorder. So really with all of our stresses, we can start looking at our automatic physical, emotional responses that are all those signals that our body and brain is sending out that's making us stressed in the first place. So we have to be really self-aware of these things, okay? So let's say a kiddo hasn't done their chores again, 
Okay, a parent's automatic response is usually, oh, right? It's a surge of frustration. So they might feel pressure in their chest. They might feel the tension in their muscles. They might feel a tightness in their throat. So those are the physiological feelings, right? And the, ah, oh. and then the behaviors, they yell at their kids, right? And now it becomes a, ye a yelling match. So that's a great example of our typical response patterns. And so it's really noticing our very automatic responses to whatever the situations are, but especially if it's stress or frustration or whatever, annoyance, especially parents with their children. So we can start to learn to manage those effectively. And when we can do that, then we're gonna start co-regulating with our kiddos. If we have a continual level of arousal that's and, and, and we're just always on high alert and we're always just immediately irritated and immediately frustrated, we gotta learn to bring that overall arousal level down. And that's where we're going to be doing proactive things, not in the heat of the moment. It's so hard in the heat of the moment. We're going to get caught up, but proactively regular exercise first thing in the morning, especially we got to look at how can we boost our brain resources because they deplete throughout the day, right? Just like when we get hangry, we get way more irritable, way more snappy. So how can we increase our resources and replenish the energy exercise? Great way. Relaxation, being in nature, just being more calm and having even moments of mindfulness, paying attention every time you stand up and sit down, what your body's doing, right? All of those things can be really helpful just to bring our arousal level down. So one of the things that we can do to regulate our emotions is to do the opposite of what we normally do, okay? Because we keep getting into these habitual patterns, right? That I automatically, every time I see a dish in, oh, in the dishwasher, oh, right? Every time... The bed's not made. Ah, so we got to start looking at those things, those normal habitual patterns. That's what we need to break. So we're going to create new habits, new ways of responding, right? New behaviors. So the frustration is still going to be there. We can't get rid. We have zero control over the frustration or the stress or the, those automatic things that ends up happening in our body and physiologically. We don't really have much control over that, but we can learn to act and behave in the opposite way that we normally do of what our emotions want us to do. Our emotions want us to lash out. So what would the opposite be? Even just changing our body posture, right? And our facial expressions can make a huge difference. So opening our eyes wide rather than furrowing down, that's just like, oh, what's going on here? Playing that detective, being really curious can be really helpful. Opening up our body standing tall, even putting a smile on our face. Those things already are different, right? It's opposite of what we would normally do. So we got to kind of look at that. So then we can start, once we figure out our body posture, we can start figuring out what was the opposite that we could say or do to be able to help that. So by modeling these changes, we're already teaching our kiddos that how they can become masters over those big feelings because we don't have control over those big feelings, right? But we can start doing the opposite of what the feelings want them to do. So we're going to start modeling this. And as we work on this, it's really good to talk out loud. Right? We're going to be modeling and learning, making it very explicit for our kiddos. Oh, I'm so angry right now. All that anger just wants me to yell. But I'm going to do the opposite. I'm actually going to whisper instead. So we can start focusing on those kinds of things that we, we want to do instead. 
learning to communi communicate effectively with our kiddos is also really critical. And so I'm going to be talking about that in future episodes for sure. And in those times, being able to manage the stress of conflict when it arises, managing the stress of disrespect or if they're yelling at you or calling you names. And finally, we get to encounter stress. So again, that's focused on people. And so when we're looking at the lagging skills, it's usually people skills, effective communication, conflict resolution. Those are the types of things that we need to work on. So a key skill that's really important for adults, especially so they can keep their kiddos, um, teach their kiddos, is being able to express how they feel. So we're looking at emotional literacy and overall emotional intelligence. So being able to recognize our emotions, recognize what's going on. Oh, I'm so frustrated right now. And I can feel it in my chest and it's welling up and I just want to punch somebody in the face, right? So being able to recognize all of those feelings and labeling our emotions, what's going on for us, what messages are underlying those motions, how they show up. All of those things are going to be really important to build our emotional literacy. So a key piece of all of this is understanding other people's emotions as well. That's a key part of emotion intelligence, right? Understanding their perspectives. So we're using our empathy muscle, and that's going to be another. We can build that empathy piece just like anything else. We need to know when we've reached our limit because we, can, we, we can't just keep keeping cool if we reach our limit. Even the calmest of us, we're going to snap. So being able to know that, my girls know when I say disengage, I'm really close to the limit and I better you know, be able to have that time and space and I need to back out. So being able to recognize what that limit is and taking a break or doing what it is that we need to do is going to be so important. We don't have to address everything right now in this specific moment. It's way better just to take a break, come back when we're calm. Even just doing something physical is usually great, right? Even better going outside and doing something physical, even just shaking. Remember our nervous system likes to shake to calm itself down. So going for a quick walk around the block, just doing a couple of shakes, throwing on a song and doing a little dance, whatever it is, okay? That's gonna be really important. Connection can be helpful too, where we seek support and that that's really important. So I'm going to leave it there for today. I want to keep these as short as I can, just quick things to think about, but, but giving you something to do, to take with you, to work on, just listening to podcast isn't enough. You actually need to actually work on something and, and change it. So I'm going to talk about a few more things that we can do for ourselves to be a good role model and to co-regulate effectively. There's so much that we need to know first before we can expect our kids to self-regulate and regulate their emotions. And we do need to be strong co-regulators. Um, so once I do a few more episodes on how we can be master co-regulators first and how we can coach parents to be master co-regulators first, then I'll start focusing on the skills that the kiddos need to start building, you know, building their capacity for the rest of the summer. First part of the summer is going to be us parents. The rest will be for the kiddos so that they can start off their new school year with a little more mastery. But for this week, we got to put this into practice. So look at where stress comes up for you. And if you're a mental health professional, looking with working with parents, looking at where stress comes up for them and what kind of stress, what's in their control, what's out of their control, building that acceptance piece. But first, I usually do a circle, what's in my control and then what's out of my control. And if there's things in my control, we can start making a plan. What are things that we can start doing to manage that stress, right? Usually writing things down is really, really helpful. 
more we can do that. And then if there's a lot of things out of our control that are really impairing us, that stress, that's where we're going to start working on the acceptance piece. So lots of strategies around that. But think about if you could do one thing differently this week as it relates to stress management, what would it be? Just one thing, be intentional and focus on that. And for some people it might be, okay, I'm gonna exercise just to help calm my brain, bring down my arousal level. Or maybe it's, I am gonna plan the night before. Take five minutes the night before to create a plan for my next day so I know exactly what I'm gonna do. Or creating a plan with my kids so that we can get out the door on time. Whatever those is, one thing that you can be intentional with. So thank you for joining me. If you want to deep dive any further, I've got all my anxiety compass mastery training programs. It's a good fit for all big emotions. It's not just anxiety. So you can look at those. I have the professional development side, but I also have a mastery training program for parents as well. And of course, join me in my Facebook community. Check that out for extra resources. Goodbye for today. Help those anxious kids be bold and courageous. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.